call unto thee, O Lord, and send down my life to guide us, for we are weak and afraid, and we lack knowledge. There is no one to hear your plea, no one to answer you, no one to ease your suffering. Lord, have mercy upon us. Hey, hey, welcome to the NY Patriot Show. Here we delve deep into the abyss, covering topics such as occultism, spirituality, secret societies, conspiracies, and the unknown. Join us in trying to put these pieces together and figuring all this shit out. The NY Patriot Show. Welcome back to the NY Patriot Show. Uh, today we have a, a guest on that uh, I had. Uh, that actually is a is a listener. I'm gonna call him a fan, but I hate calling them fans and followers. That just sounds cheesy. It sounds cultish. I have a listener, somebody that happens to listen to uh, the Occult Rejects, my show, and, and maybe uh, Lux. I think you mentioned Lux's stuff too. Um, who is very big into researching and doing their own thing also, and. Uh, he had approached me that he has actually, you know, you finished the book, right? Writing a book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, I and the topic of the book is very interesting to me. And it's funny how I don't know if he actually knew this, but we're covering Skinwalker Ranch right now for the Occult Rejects. Yeah, I, I did hear something about <laughs> yeah. that. So the yeah. fact that even the book has like the word Skinwalker in there, I was like, oh, this, this, this yeah, it has to happen now. Right. So, <laughs> these are strange how things line up. Man. Exactly. Yeah. So, and yeah. plus, plus the topic is very interesting, and the things that we just spoke about just now, prior that you wanted to get into, I was like, totally, let's do this. Mm-hmm. So uh, today I have on uh, Robert Marks. On uh, you want to go by Rob, Robert, Robert, whatever. Yeah, Rob, Robert. Okay, Robert um, Marks, and um, I guess to let everybody know, like you know, I guess whatever you want, neither about yourself or how you got into doing this book, and. Just roll mm. into whatever you want to cover, my man. Um, as far as symbolism itself, um, I've I studied art. I have a degree in fine arts and printmaking, um, and drawing, and then master's classes in illuminated manuscripts. And basically, I've always been into symbolism, um, just from the artistic standpoint. Um, so through the course of that and doing artwork for the various. Um, entities I've done artworks for, um, the pursuit of seeking the symbolic knowledge basically is how I ended up down this rabbit hole. And uh, from the standpoint of symbols, I mean, I don't know, um, but every symbol generally is said to have seven meanings. Oh. And each one of those symbols is also, each one of those meanings is also said to have seven meanings in itself. So you get the whole idea of seven, seven, and like, like Crowley 777, you know, and yeah. going in and taking all these earthly representations and putting them together to essentially um, manifest these these um, entities into this realm of, of reality. Um, so I started going down, you know, tracing these symbols down back through history and uh, ended up in... Ethiopia, um, mm. Egypt, Mesopotamia, Sumar, um, Kana, 
and basically getting into this whole story of Nimrod, um, who is the first Skinwalker. <laughs> and how did yeah, they come across yeah. with Skinwalker for Nimrod? If you don't mind explaining that. Like so, well, you figure for like 30 years now, I've been reading these ancient texts and just like digging in. And I started off essentially in um, Eastern um, theology and Buddhism and Hinduism and kind of uh, the idea of samsara, which gets into the whole simulacra and simulation that all is burning, all is is you know, an illusion that's around us. And, and when you start getting into Kabbalah and how those symbols stack and creating the building blocks through math as far as what reality is, and you start to tie in all those synchronicities, um, it's just it's interesting uh, as far as the world we live in and how you begin to view it almost as a hologram, like the more you get into all this, this philosophy. You know, um, but the skinwalker itself, um, through all these stories, I started to notice this little trail of breadcrumbs that related to the essentially after the fall into matter, you know, and that from the Hindu scripts to the to the uh, early Sumerian scripts into the biblical scripts, um, you find that, you know, this initial couple of Adam and Eve, um, depending on the name you want to give the first man and woman, well, Lilith being the first woman and Uh then came Eve. But um, after they died, um, the skins of the heavenly couple um, basically were preserved as, uh, as ritual kind of uh, sacred, you know, relics. And uh, they were put away into the cave of treasures and basically uh, kind of hidden there in this occulted mountain that, that you know, uh, was kind of fallen after the endemic couple left. And uh, it just, yeah, so I've, I've, you know, found this thread of, of this story about the skin of Adam through time um, and how it was used as um, a sort of a necromantic power garment really? by different um, priest class in early uh, Mesopotamia, um, dating back into Egypt and the you know Ethiopia with Ham coming into Egypt. So I've never pretty, heard of that. Yeah, I know, I know. And well, that's the whole thing is you know you go through all these miscellaneous esoteric stories, you know. <laughs> You read about you read about Osiris and Horus, and you read about you know um, uh, Zeus and Saturn and Saturn and Uranus, and um, it's just yeah, yeah. It was an interesting thread I came across, and and it ties into um, Madame Blavatsky and Theosophy. Oh. Um, it ties into um, the Hebrew, the early. Uh, Ibiru or Hebrew texts um, were essentially uh, um, they're, they're non-canonical books that are outside the Bible that were put together by these, these uh, um, Hebrew rabbis um, that uh, Louis Ginsburg basically took and condensed all these down into seven volumes um, called The Legends of the Jews which is almost like a long form of the first five books of the Bible being the Torah. So it's like got all this peripheral information in it 
that kind of uh, and you get hints of this every now and then as far as this this skin, you know, this uh, this and well, and in modern culture, you know, like you have the Skinwalker Ranch, um, you have like Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs, oh, right? Even a uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, exactly. You know, so you have all these uh, these references in modern culture that kind of tie this idea, um, but and all this goes back to Nimrod, who was the the cannibal king. Um, of the underground labyrinthian um, like mystery school initiations, which is where the black cube of Saturn and the cult of time worship came out of. You know, I have to say, I'm going to have to start looking into this more before we finish doing our Skimwalker uh, mm. series now, because like, I, you know, you can look up like, you know, me and Lux kind of looked into a little bit about like, you know, the whole theory of you know whatever reason you can find what a skinwalker is and you'll get yeah. like people saying that maybe they're taking skins of animals and putting them yeah. on themselves or people are transforming into something else but the story that you said i've yeah. never heard of but i could see that actually meaning a lot more and making a lot more sense actually yeah. well in so. the native american tales uh, basically the skinwalkers can transform into certain animals um, and stuff right? you know uh, like coyotes or ravens or some of these uh kind of animals that are related like on a totem level to the underworld you know i was even um, going to say even those animals he, supposedly that they turn into can be used symbolically to show other things as well i think you know, like, oh, yeah, like you're even yeah. saying like in the native american world i'm sure those those animals might mean something different on that totem pole than people may yeah. think yeah you know? Well, depending on their relation to higher realms of being or mm-hmm. lower realms of being. Yes, you know? yes. You nailed it for sure. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, it's interesting. Um, just all the – and I don't know, you know, talking to this subject matter with, with just your every average person, you know, because, um, like, I've been going out to a party here and there, and people are like, well, what have you been up to? And I've been like, oh, I just finished this book. And they're like, well, what's it about? And I tell them, and it's like, that's some crazy shit. <laughs> that's pretty much the reaction I get, you know. But it's like, it, you know, I, what, what do they say? It's one in, in 10,000 that actually, uh, you know, choose to seek the road, you know, and, and follow this, this path, the hero's journey, you know, into the underworld and, and do this work. It's, uh, it's, yeah, pretty wild stuff, man. It takes a, well, it takes a lot of time and dedication and passion to do it as well. So, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's the thing is generally, um, for about the last 33, 34 years, um, I've been out traveling the, you know, the country, East coast, West coast, North, South. Um, and when COVID came, I pretty much got, got, you know, um, put on lockdown at home and I just, tore into the books man and and i mean i you could see probably yeah back there i got a i got a stack of books yes these are the ones i'm reading right now uh okay yeah yeah um but you know i've got probably 40 50 different books that i'm like and when i'm reading the books from a synchronistic level um i generally will pull down whatever's interesting me for that night and i'll read a chapter in this book a chapter in that book and i find doing that you start to have synchronicities within uh-huh. the books yeah, I know where 
like I just came across this whole thing on the red bull in the green pasture that I'm starting to see in a, in all these books that I'm reading. Oh. And, and yeah, that sounds and, very interesting because I always quote back to the red and green symbolism. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, and we were talking about the uh, the color programming as far as the yellow and the blue, you know, as far as uh, and I think that it almost seems like for the past hundred years we've had a blue and red kind of synchronistic programming for the overlying like thought form because it's basically full spectrum dominance where every level of everything is is a suggestive sort of you know um totem where they use all those elements in combination to create the whole of the reality that they're pushing the the mindscape into through groupthink you know, and, you know what's interesting, though, and I, not to interrupt you, but like real quick, mm-hmm. like even on the Tree of Life on the Kabbalah, sometimes when you see those spheres mm-hmm. with those colors, if you actually were to check, you know, them on the, the spectrum of light or what frequencies they're at, you, you'll see like you're saying the blue and the red, they're kind of like very, uh, it's like both polarities almost like a very. Oh, yeah. Like, I think that yeah. is even showing us, which should then make you wonder, did they know about this science yeah. when this came out? Thousands, right. Well, as far as the blue being cool and the red being warm, and then you mix them and you get that Phoenician purple, that color royalty, which they've been pushing, you know, for the last hundreds of years, and and now you get into um, the the blue and the yellow, which you're starting to see everywhere. Um, I was watching uh, what is it? Uh, that new Steven Spielberg movie with my wife the other night that they remade. Oh, West Side Story. They oh, okay. remade it. And basically when the main character and the girl are in the cathedral and all the light from the, uh, from the stained glass is shining on them, he is blue and she is yellow. And then they switch it and she becomes yellow and he becomes blue. You know, so it's this idea uh, of, well, and that's the whole thing. When you get into these these ancient Scythian lords coming down that are the dragon line coming into Egypt and creating this Sobek bloodline, um, they essentially come in as pastoral herdsmen and they come into the city of the sun, which is Egypt, where they worship the sun. And they're basically bringing the moon calendar in. And one of the first things they do as the time lords that they are is they merge the calendars. So they're physically merging the sun and the moon into a new calendar as like the alchemical wedding, essentially. So, you know, when you start to look at how these ancient mystery schools spread and how they they literally play with time, and how they change the calendars. And when you get into like Flamenco, you know, who is the Russian astrophysicist that basically talks about the, uh, the uh, eclipses um, and how he believes there's like, you know, an eight, 900 year time span that they added into the calendar during the dark ages. Yo, I, know, I believe something like that for sure. Yeah, to bring these mythos, you know, to create, well, and it's what they're doing right now with the great reset and how they're creating these new mythos for the new age, the new coming generation of, you know, it's, it's, uh, and I don't think things have ever changed since ancient times in Babylon, man. It's just, it's the same old system and they have a schemata where they basically go in and, you know, and you can see the Jesuits setting up, you know, communism way before Marx ever wrote about communism. And it's just, it's, uh, it's, 
all through time, man. You know. You know, you mentioned something. What was it that you said that you were watching? Oh, uh, something new that you said with the red and the net, the red with the yellow and the blue. Uh, My sad story. Yeah, you know. <coughs> I'll admit it. Unfortunately, I still uh, do watch The Walking Dead, and uh, this this <laughs> yeah. last this last season, which you know was filmed before any shit with Ukraine, I'm sure. Yeah. You know, even them, I've been noticing in the last few episodes, they are using light and artwork yep. with yellow and blue. There was one yeah. part when they were in the church with Gabriel, and that's mm. all you saw hanging was banners and colors coming in of yellow and blue. And, blue. and I'm like, yeah. come on, you, this was done prior. This, yeah. this, there's no way this shit, you know what I'm saying? Something's well, up. And it's it's like on what was it the mask that show the mask where they had them come out and they had the you know they designed with the masks and the guy's name that designed the thing was COVID. I mean it's it's when you get into predictive programming and and setting certain ideas within the mindscape so that they become more acceptable you know, to the masses. I mean, it sounds conspiratorial, but you know, I've been watching this stuff for 35 years, man. And it's just like, at a certain point you can, you can almost like, like when, when, uh, they, uh, essentially said that, uh, you know, Christmas was canceled because of supply chain issues. You know, yeah. I told my wife, I was like, you know, watch, we're going to hear from, from family that they need to know what, what we want for Christmas now. And within three hours, people were calling you know, so you can see how that you know they use these devices like the the computers and the phones and to basically, uh, I, and and I honestly think that that the point is to capture the imagination of the masses and to redirect it towards the new symbolic you know me, the, basically using the imagination of the masses to create the reality they want versus the reality we want. I, I think you nailed it. I, there was yeah. a, uh, you know, I had I had posted up a few days ago or a week ago, like a thing that Prince had said, a uh, video. Yeah. And a, uh, a listener or someone who follows me on uh, on Instagram had posted up, oh, you got to check these lyrics to this song that he did. And mm -hmm. I looked it up and it was like from 1996. Yeah. And he was uh, going on saying like, because of technology and phones and vaccinations, Mm. They already know what you're thinking, what you're saying, and before you think it, yeah. Well, and, and I was like, "Yo, this dude was saying that back in 1996." Yeah, yeah. Well, man, you can go back <laughs> to uh, you can go back to uh, Edward Bulletin, who was uh, you know in the time of Mary Shelley with Frankenstein, and uh, you know he was writing in one of his books. He writes about basically setting up pipes that will go go all over the earth to direct the light of Lucifer into, into every home and how everyone globally will become illuminated, you know? So when you start getting into the idea of the Illuminati, I mean, we are participants in that, that Luciferic mind meld that is the phone, you know, as far as just this, well, and the way it's set up as far as the Sherman resonance frequency, you know, it resonates on exactly the same frequency as your brain waves. So when you're participating with it, like you're syncing with it. And then as you're doing stuff, you're, you're creating dopamine. So you're physically falling in love with this device. You know, that's why when you lose it, it's like a death. 
and you go around the whole house. Oh, where's my phone? You know, Yo, it's, that's, it's, that's interesting. You know, and scientifically designed, man, they have, and, and they're siphoning off all this data and they're putting it into uh, basically a uh, quantum um, computer. So they say, I don't even know that I necessarily believe in quantum computers because um, that would entail um, multiple dimensions and time track. And if you get into <laughs> physics, you know, and Einsteinian theory and, you know, and numbers as far as Kabbalah, back to Kabbalah again, it's all numbers. So through, through numbers, you can find these alternate dimensions, like fractaline patterns, you know, but, but it's, real, they, real quick, real interesting that you mentioned yeah. quantum computing. One time Lux had sent me like an article or something about them talking about like trying to make some quantum computer mm-hmm. and they were like getting into like showing the, the designs and whatever. Mm-hmm. And me and him were like, yo, like they literally were, I think they were like almost doing it by scale, like the planets actually mm. in certain things inside the computer the oh, way yeah. it was even being built yep like was even going along with stuff that we even saw in the kabbalah and we were like yo what the fuck yep. and then it starts to make you wonder like are they even really building that or are they just trying to tell you something in that story yeah. <laughs> if, they get enough, if they get enough people to believe it does it become the reality Daddy. yeah right you know it's, it's real it's, deep uh, to think about <laughs> yeah yeah Cause that's the whole thing. It's like, uh, with, with Elon Musk and SpaceX and all the stuff that they're doing. Um, is it that, uh, that it's actually happening or that they're putting it into the minds of the masses so that it can become a reality, you know? And and that's the whole idea of space. If it is a dome and you know, this is the bottom of the bucket and we're essentially trapped in this matrix, you know? Um, through the idea of mass direction, can they take the minds of all the humans and direct them into the idea that there is outer space and thereby we create outer space? You know, it's, it's, it's into some crazy stuff, man. When you really start to get into, you know, because well, and, and the light that's coming from the stars, right. As we observe that light and participate with that light, even though some of those stars may already be dead, are we essentially affecting the the past through the observance of that light in the present? Oh, you know, yeah, quantum know. quantum physics says yes, we are. You know, so it's interesting to think about you know how the future affects the past instead you know, of how the future affects the future. You know, it's funny the way you're explaining that now actually would go along with how I think like magic in a sense kind of is. Um, mm. if you were to believe, like, I guess that this was in like, you know, matrix, if you actually believe we're in a matrix or if this was a dome, sometimes I say, I think like whatever's being used, the light that's being used to make us like magic is kind of learning on how to hack that or how to yeah. tap into that, <laughs> that oh, system yeah. that's well, actually making the matrix. <laughs> yeah. And light itself, you know, in accordance to science, they say it's both a particle and a wave. So it's simultaneously you know, um, a waveform and a particle. And and then you get into the whole split, you know, experiment where essentially the observer affects the outcome, you know, and, and by simply observing and that, well, then that's the whole thing. How do you control that? You know? And I think that's where magic comes into it because you almost have to have like that Zen philosophy where you're like neutral to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Where you like just subsiding within it, 
but you put out like uh, certain thought forms and, and you kind of have to be careful because, you know, um, in a, in a certain way, I think the universe wants to, like, I think once you start to notice the universe and the synchronicities that are involved within it, that the universe, it's like when you stare into the void, the void stares back at you. It's that whole idea. And I think that there are ways to, to, you know, like Merlin or the ancient Merlini in the Italian text says that you see how these systems work and you see how these wheels turn and slowly you can just make, you know, slight changes to each of the wheels and it will precipitate the changes that you want, you know, you know, but that's the whole thing. Yeah, that's so funny because I even say that I think the whole Wheel of Fortune card, uh, you know, on the tree, the tarot, mm. on the tree of life, I always say, I think, you know, and that's where I think a lot, I'm not saying all of it because I do believe that pizza is used for the pedophile stuff, but I even think when you see politicians or famous people with that pizza, mm. it's eight slices just like the Wheel of Fortune card. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that actually just like, how you're using you could use that as the same thing as a boat on the abyss yeah you know what i'm saying i do think that is showing your where you want to go or what you're trying to do yeah Yeah. when you're fucking with that shit that's kind of like your gps or your directional if if you're if you're that gangster and know what you're doing with that I, i i think that is a part of it and it just it's funny how i can see this relating to what you're saying here scientifically um you know with science science theory and shit Let's see. I've got if I can find it here. Um, there's, but there's an old um, like text. I, I just had a fan say something. A listener, uh, Helen, from our Discord, said the Wheel of Fortune. Maybe the, the Round Table. That's interesting yeah, too. Of, King Arthur and the, the Round yeah, Table. <laughs> and you know, and then you get into the Grail and the pursuit of the Grail, and you know, uh, all that that's entailed within that. You know. Uh, it's uh, as far as well, ascending into the castle and the egg and the dragon and all the different, you know. To think um, about it now, actually, if you're thinking about the Wheel of Fortune, where that card falls, that falls on Chesed, and then the next thing over would be Bina, which is mm-hmm. where the Scarlet Hole would be with her cup. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the, so maybe that's the Grail. Who the fuck knows? That's wild. Yeah, yeah. Well, in that cup... You know, being the the Grial or the blood, it's essentially the blood of the sun. The Sangreal is the blood of the sun, you know, which is the blood of Christ. So, you know, and that dates back into Melchizedek and the first uh, breaking of the the bread and the wine um, with the blessing of Abraham, you know. It's Um, funny that you mentioned Shangri-La. You you said Shangri-La, right? No, no, no. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought thought you said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shangri-La is, I mean, when you get into that whole thing and and the underground cities of Botswana and the underground lakes and, yeah, there's some interesting stuff there, man. As far as, like, that city preserved outside of time where, you know, the ancient uh, elders kind of preside, um, you know, watching over mankind, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, Sorry to pull you off your your topic there. (laughs) Back. Um, I yeah. So I, I'm sorry, I pulled you off, and I don't even know where I where, where I left you at. Oh, that's okay. So, man, do you want to get into the, the the whole book? Yeah. Well, yeah. I know you also had mentioned uh, there was Egyptian stuff and all that that stuff. Uh, I think that would be great too. 
So however you want to get us yeah. there, whatever you, however you want okay, to do it. Okay, so some of these parts, I'll, I'll kind of skim over it, and some of the parts I'll kind of read. Okay. Um, but as far as, you know, dating back into the um, mystery goddess cult and the, uh, the serpent um, cults of the divine feminine, you know, hinting back to like an ancient Lumerian uh, matri- matriarchy, um, the Hebrew Hava is the mother of all things and as well uh-huh. is called the serpent. And likewise, in Arabic, the words for snake life and teaching are closely related to the name of Eve, right? Now you said so, Abba. Um, Abba was for the feminine, right? The Ava, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Because yeah. I know I think even in uh, the Tree of Life, I, one of them is uh, Abba and the other one's Ama. But like the band right. Abba, and I've even wondered. Like, Abba. <laughs> like, totally. come on. And, and then, well, the Hebrew, it's the Hava, which is H-A-V-V-A-H. So it's it's itself reflected on itself. And those two Vs in the center come together to form that cosmic water that is the the oh. divine chaos of the depths that is the mother of creation that all thought, you know, sprung from. You know, um, it's funny because I, I do say sometimes I think that like the V, the W does show the uh, the feminine coming down in like an M yeah. An M would be the male or twin peaks, if you want to call it that yeah. way, right. of the, 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 the projective male energy. Right. Whereas the, the W is the waves of the water, yes. um, which is essentially um, the Egyptian um <laughs> like the cosmic Aquarius, you know, the, uh, the, the etheric energetic forms of, of energy that come down, you know, through the channels of Kaaba into the earthly realm, you know, um, let's see. Uh, now while this, uh, divine couple was still in the realm of creation, right. Um, they were told not to eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because that would essentially bring forth death into cyclic form, right? But during this whole time, the tree of life itself um, was still available and an option, um, and, and that would have brought about immortality instead of bringing us into this cyclic form of death and matter, mm-hmm. right? Um, let's see. So... Uh, Skip over that. Um, so it was in the uh, Ethiopic apocryphal book of the Cave of Treasures, um, which was written at the end of the 6th century, um, traditionally attributed to Ephraim of Edessa. And Eden itself was set inside of a holy mountain, and it was entered by a cave, and at its center was the well of Jacob. And uh, Adam and Eve were essentially ejected for going down from the mountain and cavorting with the line of Cain. And basically because they went down to associate with this this serpent line, um, they were blocked off from going back into the mountain, right? Um, And uh, let's see. You know what I find interesting, and and not to take you off course, but like even with these names sometimes that they use for these, these stories. Oh, yeah. You even get like a lot of... I'm so, I think a lot of names that start with J, I swear to God, are representing in some sort of way the fish hook 
or, or even or even a bend in light. You always get like right. now you're saying well, K for cane. You always get a C, which I think shows yep. the cup itself again. A certain energy. Um, yes, yes. Or almost becoming informed. Not completely, but almost there. Like almost. It's yeah. three quarters of the way. Yes. Yeah. It's to Atlantis. It's the cup that holds all time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but now I remember a while back I heard you talking about you saw the J and the the um P essentially signs. You saw that sign that's like the hook upside down and right side up. Yes. Right. And that's uh when you get into that, that's either bar or par, right? The P or the B. Um, which is essentially the um the meaning of Pharaoh. So it's uh, it's basically the king on high, you know, as God on earth. So and depending on how you hold it, you know, upright in, in titles moving upwards and downwards in titles, you know, moving downwards. So like you were saying about depending on the symbol you see in regard to like a fish swimming downstream, we'll resent, you know, we'll, we'll talk about the energy moving on that path in a downward motion where wings will symbol like the dove will <laughs> symbolize that energy moving upwards, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, that's, uh, <coughs> that's why I think even some of those things, the fish would be associated with water and then the mm -hmm. bird is associated with air. That's like different levels of existence as well, like less yes. less density and more of spirit. Right. Well, and that gets into the whole crocodile, which we're going to cover in a little while, oh. because the crocodile is it's its eggs are laid in the sand, so it's you know in the underworld. It cracks forth. It comes forth onto the sand, uh, in, into the sunlight, it can, it can submerge itself into the river. So it goes down, you know, beneath the depths and then it can emerge up onto the land and bask in the light. So, you know, all these different, um, animals, insects, um, Crowley gets into the dragonfly as far as how, you know, uh, it, it hatches, um, dries, you know, crawls to the top of something and then flies, you know, ascends into the heavens. So it's these ideas of transubstantiation or basically moving through different realms of reality as far as ascension. You know, <laughs> you know who I think um, uses turtles a lot to show that an old band. And I shit you not. Mm -hmm. I really think it's why they use turtles a lot. The Grateful Dead. I really oh, do yeah. think that's why they use turtles a lot. I mean, besides yeah. that whole steal your face, you know, symbol and all that other shit. I think yeah. that they yeah. show turtles a lot for symbols like on Terrapin Station, which that album, well, if you read the lyrics, very occult and deep fucking lyrics. Very actually. occultic, yes. And I do and think Robert that, Hunter, yeah, Robert Hunter, who wrote those lyrics, was a 32nd degree Freemason. You know, that shit's um, deep. John Barlow, who was another Grateful Dead writers, was also a high level Mason. Um, and when you get into that, that lightning bolt that's in the steel, your face. Right. Um, I've heard it spoken of that Owsley, um, who basically was the cook for the dead and, and made the, you know, the LSD um, who he, he put himself in St. Mary's Hospital. Um, which is where Toulouse-Lautrec and where Ezra Pound was put, you know, as dissidents against the government. Um, he checked himself in there at age 16, and when he came out, um, and that ho hospital is associated with MKUltra, mm. uh, but when he came out, he was, 
you know, he knew how to make uh, substances. And, uh, you know, when you get into his links in with uh, the wall of sound and, and Memorex and getting into um, using sound waves to affect emotion, um, but that, that lightning bolt itself um, is a 13-pointed lightning bolt, which is the symbol of death and rebirth, right? And they're very and, specific about it having that many points. Oh, yeah, for sure, for yeah, sure. No, I know um, that. And, and the kids on lot, you know, they call it the 13-pointed soldier. You know, and, and if you're into it in your and, and the whole idea of the Grateful Dead is, you know, you uh, you abandon all, you know, you take yourself into the underworld. You have this hero's journey that this band basically is the soundtrack behind. And when you come back, you know, it's like it's like Bilbo returning home after his journey. And you have all these stories to tell and it creates this mythos, you know, culturally as far as culture creation, you know, um, but that lightning bolt, um, I've heard is the path of the magician as far as, you know, going, rising up and coming down the tree of life, Mm -hmm. um, without having, you know, that the, the, the magician takes without having to cross the Klepoth. So you essentially raise yourself from the gray to the white, you know, much like Gandalf, you know, yeah, it's I think it's good up. that you mentioned up and down the tree because I do think a lot of symbols are actually mm. showing both, and sometimes you can't necessarily say what is its total intention because it can, like you just said, there's a there's a up and down, a left to right, all sorts of yeah. sometimes different angles well, to a symbol. All those paths, yeah, you know, those, you know, and how they travel between and um and well, let's see if I get into that. Let's see. So. Um, in the Hebrew tradition, it is said that 2,000 years before the creation of man and women into the physical realm, that the world Kaaba was created in the heavens. And that world Kaaba is essentially um, that model that is the energy form that is related to the platonic um, heavenly man in the sky. Um, and how he was created in the heavens before he was incarnated on earth. And, and essentially, once Adam and Eve were ejected out of Eden, right, um, the, the Kaaba was handed down. The, like, uh, it, it was essentially called that which was received. So it was the roadmap by which um, the heavenly couple on earth um, were able to look at the heavens and find their path back into the Garden of Eden, you know, because so, the cycle is essentially falling into matter, um, falling into, you know, deplority, um, and then seeing that we need to rise up and then ascending back into the heavenly realm. And that kind of is what's also behind all this new world order, you know, push as far as, because you go back to Virgil, in 83 BC and he that's the first time that it was echoed you know in the texts as far as the order of new order of the ages you know and so there's been this this long push of this uh this merchant class basically those that worship mercury the murkers um that that are pushing for an end to nation states so that they can basically transmit goods you know and basically we've gotten to the point where the mercurial class those merchants have risen up and brought themselves into the bloodlines of the royalty which is why we see like lord rothschild you know in with the queen um and and you know, they've, 
the 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 merchant class has assimilated the the monarchy um you know and and i think that in a in a great way they're also assimilating governments around the world which is what we're seeing you know with, with just yesterday with klaus schwab at the you know the meeting for the new world order the one world government you know and they're like openly discussing it now so it's uh it but it's funny that it's been going on you know since the last 2000 plus years you know that they've been echoing this this new world order you know which is on the dollar bill uh. you know around the pyramid in, in latin and the other saying there that's in latin is the one as many so it's basically and if you get into the old text that talks about this one god that walks as many through all of time you know that that basically is behind um this this ancient saturnian time cult man oh it's, it's very uh even the numbers like well i not that i could see you getting to 3000 years but i mean even like um you're saying 2000 years of like this idea of whatever uh like the, the when you get to the third sphere, that's when like that would be birthed and pushed into mm. like existence. You know what I'm saying? Right. So right. Uh, and and the hero's journey, I I think that was great that you t- touched on on that. I know that was you know early in what everything you just said, but mm-hmm. I think that is shown a lot in mm. in music, movies, television. I mean, that was yeah. something we were even trying to get at. With the Scarlet Horse series, I mean, that's to me, yeah. that's part of that that whole. That's like the higher part of going back up the tree, I think, or it's showing you being birthed. The real important part, really. That's why we covered that. But I mean, I'll even admit it. On, on for me, on my end, uh, some of the DJ mixes that I've done, to me, those tracks, and either because of the artist and what the name is, or what's being said in it or what it's reminded me of from my own experiences. Mm-hmm. Believe mm-hmm. it or not, when I did mo- most of the mixes I have done to me represents to me me being birthed into this existence and then going yep. back out, going closer out. to God. It's the whole, yep. the same fucking thing. Same story, man. The same fucking and story. And well, I'm just doing it with fucking other people's techno tracks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and the thing is, you know, um, getting into the hero's journey and Joseph Campbell, you know, who basically covers that, he again it's that idea of you read all these you know all these ancient texts and you see a thread within them um so philip k dick in one of his books um where there's basically this uh, colony on one of the moons of mars and they're like mining and they have this uh substance d that they take this candy that basically after a hard day's worth of work it like transports them into another dimension um that it was illegal in the book to own a holographic copy of the Bible because you could take that Bible and depending on how you twist it and turn it, you can start to see other stories and other patterns and other emerging mythos within the book that you don't get just from reading it. You know, it's so the idea of and and, and essentially the more I think the more you read and the more you put into your mind and the the Grateful Dead have a song like an old song. It's not even on an album, but it's called The Faster We Go, The Rounder We Get, you know. So I think the more information you can take in, you create this more homogenous understanding of the whole truth or false. 
Mm. You know, um, like Timothy Leary said, yellow journalism is the friend of in, of the individual because it sharpens our mind. It teaches us, you know, how to discern what is real and what is false. You know, so by all these fact checkers constantly saying this, you know, you can't, you can't think about this. You can't. Th- well, what they're really doing is they're, you know, it's, it's the Orwellian, um, you know, uh, uh, state basically um, controlling the thought back to the controlling of the thought of the masses and the directing of the narrative, you know, but, but the idea of, of, you know, I, and I, I'm of the opinion that there are no taboo subjects, you know, um, it, because it, it's something that, that is part of this reality. And if we can't openly talk about it, um, that's probably what we should be talking about, you know? <laughs> well, you know, I even think a lot of stuff when it comes to magic and occultism, I really, you know, that's why I say a lot of stuff is painted to look dark. A lot of stuff is made to look sexual, but it's because right. they're telling you a lot more in there. It's just that you'll see it that way. Mm. Think of it as taboo, not look at it for the, what it really is saying. For what it and, really is. And then, yeah, for what it really is. And then you'll, yeah. you could be totally missing out on some huge, huge clues. Mm. Well, and that's, you know, I mean, when you get into uh, Crowley, you know, Aleister Crowley and, and his, you know, personification of the age of Horus, um, he talked about how he was essentially reviving the ancient um, mass, how it used to be um, before Catholicism came in and, and rewrote the, the sacred texts and broke it down, you know, from the Ethiopic, you know, um, texts and, you know, King James and Francis Bacon and, and the whole idea of, you know, create and taking it from the ancient 72 books, which it used to be in Ethiopia and bringing it into the 66 books that are the King James, you know, and six, as far as six being the number of man, you know, um, like even ancient Hebrew texts, say that you know when man was ejected from eden he was stamped on the forehead with the number six you know and it's like getting it and again getting into the six-sided cube the black cube of saturn you know um where essentially they they believe that was this realm whereas you take the the cube and it has eight corners right and so that so then you have the 666 which is the earthly realm and then you have the 888 which is the Agduad, which is the heavenly realm right and if you take the 888 and you add it to itself in in verse right you get 1776 which 1776 bc was when abraham died in the holy land and 1776 AD was when the enlightenment movement kicked off and the idea of, of sovereignty of man over altar and crown, you know? So that, you know, these, these ideas mystically through all of history, you know, it, it, they've been, it's, it's been a constant man. And you know, you know what we, we touched, you touched on it earlier too. Now we're talking about times and dates like, you're saying they might be eight or 900 years that are just thrown in and they're made mm-hmm. up, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I think because of that... Well, I don't these, necessarily believe that. 
but this is what flamenco has directed and for his proof he's shown that the lunar eclipses don't line up with the the natural history that we have so he's saying there's about an 800 year period that has been added you know yeah well what i was getting at is like i i do think to an extent our dates are off and sometimes i wonder like what what Mm. you were just explaining there with those dates Mm. Uh, are they made uh, like because of us fucking with time time are we able to make up those numbers to try to tell you something as well like right. the date might not be real but it's the numbers we're trying to show you a correlation right and what we have to realize is that this is the current calendar that has been put in place um just in the last you know uh you know thousand something years you know, so when you get into the Hebrew calendar, they believe that it's the year 6,000 something, you know, and when you get there's so there's still different calendars out there. I mean, even uh, Kodak, you know, uh, the guy that created the, the Kodak Film Company um, in New York, around Albany, New York, he had Kodak time, they called it Kodak time, where he had his own calendar um, that was broke, that was completely different from the rest of of civilization and if people wanted to do business with kodak they had to operate on kodak time so you know it's it's like the calendar is a man-made order out of chaos device you know and depending on whose calendar it is they can use those numbers to direct certain thought forms Mm. Mm. that's fucking deep that's wild (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah man i know i know it's uh yeah um so now when adam and eve were ejected out of eden right um and and they basically immediately took that that kaba from the heavens right and adam uh set forth to basically um build the kaaba on earth right that was modeled after the kaaba in heaven so he got rocks and depending on the sources that you look at um there's from one source it's five different mountains and from another source it's six different mountains right so from one source you have the five around one which is six the number of man Right. Mm. Whereas the other, you have the six around one, which is seven, which is the number of the goddess in the underworld. So essentially he took the, and I'm probably saying essentially too much, but he (laughs) took those stones from those sacred mountains and he built the first hinge or the first stone circle, you know? So Adam was the first builder of a stone circle or hinge that was basically set up to watch the heavens so that they could determine when the time would come in the turnings of the great platonic year or the turning of, as Marty Leeds says, the great sky clock, um, where essentially we could determine when we could enter back into the heavenly realm. You know, And I think that goes along with what these uh, Luciferian New World Order um, crowd are trying to do in regard to centralizing the government as a whole as a symbolic element of bringing things back to the monad so it's basically like we already bottomed out in in the bottomless pit like that seed you know like the zero 
was was the 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 seed they called Zoroaster the seed, and so you have this idea of the seed in the cave, you know, and it's and like Abraham when uh, when he was spirited away when Nimrod was trying to kill him, um, they essentially Abraham lived in a cave for ten years, you know, and he emerged on the eleventh year the the year the number of the Magician, and so he was in an underworld like uh, reality like for 10 years of his life before he became the patriarch of, of, you know, the Bible, you know, hiding out from Nimrod trying to escape, you know, getting killed. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's the, in the whole number thing too, always just start throwing numbers out there. So I think of other shit too. Hmm. Now, um, as far as uh, the stone circle, right, that, that was the, the Kaaba. Um, but the Kaaba of man itself is literally the bones of Adam. So the Kaaba of Osiris um, was the bones of the, the risen God, you know, Horus, which was considered lodestone, which is like a black magnetic stone, like hematite, or, you know, when you start looking at correspondences mm-hmm. and, um, so, uh, you know, and, and when this stone circle was built, um, it said that 10,000 angels were appointed to guard the stone circle that Adam had built on the earthly plane. And, uh, this was essentially the hinge of um, five or six stones that, you know, that in the center of that was the altar where they would basically give blood sacrifice to um, the Elohim. And uh, when you get into that altar, um, it was washed over um, when the flood came, when, when basically they were trying to wipe out the hybrid line, the serpent line, or the, the line of the giants, right? And that altar after the flood um, was rebuilt as the altar um, that, uh, that uh, Isaac um, was, or Abraham was going to sacrifice um, Isaac on. So that, you know, that, that Adam of, uh, that altar of Adam became the altar of Abraham in a later time, which is also where they, King Solomon ended up building his, his temple as well. <laughs> yeah, man. King yeah. Solomon. You know? You know, and you, you talk, you know, the, the whole thing, now you're saying some say five stones, some say six stones, and then you even yeah. said that could be the one in the five. I mean, I even saw, like, when you start playing with numbers like that, like, and when you start looking at it on the Tree of Life, like, even then, like, I think, like, Gaborah, which is the fifth sphere, which would go along with Horus itself, mm. um, could also, I also think, can represent kind of, like, us, like, into the flesh now. Like, we are of the yeah. blood. And that could be the one and the five. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It, well, it's just... And, just very weird like oh the five is the pentagram yes yeah that too which is the symbol of man right and so you have the head which is the top the two arms which are the side and the two feet and then if you bring the one which is the monad which is god or whatever force you want to call this this higher you know heavenly entity and you take that divine spark and you lower it into the pentagram you're you're animating that that 
you know, edifice that is um, the human. Yeah. You know, it's the spirit balanced on the matter. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, and I've got a whole thing about the early 10 um, door kings, um, which were, these were the 10 earthly kings over the earth um, before the flood. Um, and these are essentially related to the fallen ones, uh, the Nephilim, the Anunnaki, the Anunnaj, um, those that fell, you know, um, from the heavens. Um, and, uh, the reason I even have it is because, uh, they called these 10 door Kings, they called them the Molochs, which, uh, <laughs> the Moloch is the secret occulted name of Lord Nimrod himself. So he's basically titling himself after these um, post-Diluvian, like uh, hybrid kings that are ruling over the earth. Um, and in India, you have the um, nine Brahmakas, who, with their fellow, um, with their fellow power of Brahma, make ten. In Chinese, you have the ten emperors who are those of the divine nature recorded before the historical time of the drying up. Um, in Iran, you have the, um, let's see, the 10 Pestadian kings who were the powerful men who lived off the Homa, which was a psychedelic brew. Um, and they were basically chasing after the gods because they had abandoned this realm. So they were trying to bring the gods, you know, back to this realm. Um, Odin had the 10 ancestors, um, in Arabia, there were the 10 mythical, um, primordial Kings of the Adites. Um, and then you have the 10 Kings of Atlantis, which were, um, told by Solon, uh, told to Solon by the Egyptian priests. So you have this, this symbol of these, these 10 arising Kings, you know, that are, that are coming up you know, after the fall into matter. Um, let's see. You know, it's funny you mentioned Moloch, and then I'm thinking, you know, because I, I also think that there's always, like, play on words, too. Like, mm. um, like if you see, like, like certain words might have the same, close to the same spelling or have the same part of another word in it. I, I think that's yeah. all, that all, there's reasons for that. And you're mentioning mm. Moloch, and I'm thinking, yeah. well, you know, Crowley had a fucking, he did, that, or attempted the Abramelin over mm. by Loch Ness. Mm. And I'm like, there's a lock in there still, so between both of those. Moloch. <laughs> Moloch and Loch yeah. Ness. I'm yeah. like, is there is there a reason for that? Yeah. You never know. Well, and the, you look at all the miscellaneous, you know, and I've heard it said in the past that uh, in every city um, they have MLK. Boulevard, you know, which is Moloch. So, you know, which means king. So you're looking at, you know, when you when you start stacking symbols on symbols and using those symbols to mean multiple things simultaneously, you have Moloch the king, you have Martin Luther the king, you have so you're dealing with this idea of the king, you know, you the one that walks as many through all of time. No, last night, yeah. last night, real quick to go on that MLK thing, I was watching, mm. uh, I was watching uh, the, the Walking Dead, because I, uh, I taped it and was watching it, and um, one of my moments when I was stoned and just something weird popped into my head, you know, they had the guy on there that was called himself the king, I forgot his fucking name, whatever, he's still, you know, still going on, and I started oh, yeah. thinking about Martin Luther King, and then I was like, you know, 
just MLK in itself, I'm like, um, K, if that was for King. Yeah, well, not even that, just symbolically, like, the M would show the Twin Peaks again, the male projective energy. The L would show the square for now going into the male energy of Saturn, which is a square. And K, if that stood for King... That is yep. where you would be in the yad hey vad hey formula. If you've gotten that far up, you would be king now. Yeah. And I'm like, right. yo, is that all just an occult fucking name? The acronyms and everything. And, and when you start looking at the alphabet itself, and, you know, it was essentially, you know, you got Chaucer in the Canterbury Tales, who was behind a lot of what the English language became. But it was actually Shakespeare, or I, you know, a lot of people say Sir Francis Bacon, who was the spear shaker on the Senate floor, who was behind with oh. King James, you know, right, rewriting the Bible, reducing it down to the sixty-six books, while they were simultaneously working on the the demon, the diabolical demon book that he released at the same time, you know, and and it's just. The alphabet itself is a mystical creation. Well, it's funny that and you even not- that you mentioned Shakespeare because we, we covered uh, that should be dropping soon on the occult rejects. We actually mm-hmm. covered that him, um, you know, us thinking that Francis Bacon was uh, and other people were possibly uh, really Shakespeare, and it really right. wasn't one person. And if the Rosicrucians right. are behind it, and like what you're saying, if they it's Francis Bacon again, if they did have something to do with shaping the English language, then you have to realize people involved in a secret society and fucked up shit are the ones that have Spells told us how to fucking talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Um, but like now, if you look at the A. You know, it's the Aleph, which in in uh, Persian culture, it, the A is it means life. Um, in the uh, the Nordic culture, it was the the base that all the other lat- letters sat upon. But the A itself, the English alphabet A, is a pyramid with the capstone. You know, and so it represents the alphabet being handed down from the heavenly realm onto the base, which is the earthly realm, right? And then you have the B, which is basically the circle, which is split in half into the, you know, so you have the separating of the heaven from the earth. You have the C, which is three quarters of completion, which becomes that that holds all time, the cup, you know, and the, you know, and just all these. The D, I think, like, shows, like, the birthing of actually, like, kind of possibly into this realm, too, I think. Well, the D is the doorway. Yes. You know, which. That's where I think the dunce cap, honestly, I think the dunce cap is an adult cult cult fucking. That's why I've worn one on my show is because I believe that is an occult symbol in itself. Oh, 100%. That is the rebirth into the heavens, the doorway into the heavens. Yeah, the the uh, the dunce cap, right? Yes. Um, they used to actually stick it on the kid's head, um, and put him in the corner, in the corner, um, so that the energies of the the you know creation would be channeled down into his brain to make him smarter. <laughs> and that's why the the ancient I had no idea magicians, you know, used used it as well was to bring those energies, like a funnel, you know, channeling Kether directly into the mind of, of, of the, the participant, the willing participant. Yo, that is exactly what I thought, and I never even yeah, knew man. that. 
knew yeah. that fucking story. Especially when I saw it on iPad Goat, when we covered iPad Goat and saw the dunce cap on yeah. whatever. I was like, yo, I was like, that shit. And I was like, I think I know what the fuck that means. And I started putting thing, you know, two and two together. I thought yep. the same thing about the letter D that you were saying in a sense. And I was like, that dunce cap is showing you like the fucking doorway to neither going up or coming in. So right, I fucking, right. I ordered a cheap one off of Amazon. I was like, I got to wear that shit a couple yeah, of times. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, it, when you get into studying Kabbalah and you get into studying Ibiru or the Hebrew language, um, you know, there's the 22 letters, um, which directly relate to the 22 arcane of the tarot. Um, and if you, you get the book, the, um, yep. the Bohemian Tarot, um, by Pappas, he actually goes into relating um, each card with each letter, and each letter you, they don't necessarily tie that to the 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 different Sephiroth on the Tree of Life. But you know, through the course of investigation, you can essentially take these twenty two you know arcanum and and tie it into the meanings of letters tie it into the meanings you know and and that goes into the chakras into like just everything it's it's like the fundamental like holographic building blocks of what this reality is that that based on math yeah. you know um yeah me and lux tried to uh, try pushing it's pretty that wild. we tried pushing that a lot in the scarlet horse series that you know the whole thing with the tarot cards i mean they all fall on the tree of life too mm -hmm. and like you were saying, all those right. paths right. have cards that have the Hebrew alphabet associated with it, other things associated with it. There is yep. something to do, you know, and, and the Hebrew has, you know, there's a sound and numerical value. It could also be a shape of something. It could be right. a hook or an ox head. In the intonation, a certain vibrational yes. waveform that you're supposed to use when you intonate these these words, you know, um, and it was said in the mystery schools that there was, uh, you know, a secret language and a secret words and, and they had double meaning. You had the esoteric and the, you know, the, the, the internally and the external. And, and they said that, you know, the, the sibling Oracle said that these words and the enunciation of these words within the mysteries could never be changed because it was the essential vibrational waveform that was the fact that, that brought these, these forces, these archonic forces into, as HP Lovecraft would say, you know, real and, and form being like before my eyes, you know, it's, uh, there's even like, um, like in any of Crowley's, like the rituals that he wrote himself, mm. any of the Thelemic ones, and even uh, like the LBRP and the lesser hexagram ritual and the greater hexagram ritual, yeah. all of those. And, I, and I'm not saying this for people to go out and actually no. learn them, but um, and I've actually, you know, I've thought about covering some of these as shorts with Lux. I hate to mm. like I'm coming out and saying it without even asking him. But I think if we were to cover some of these some of these rituals, not showing you how it's done, but showing you what's being said and what's being drawn and, and what, what how the energies are working. Yes. But yeah. they're, what I'm getting at is that in those rituals, when you read them, if you were to go like look up Libra O right now and go look at those, there are words that are in bold print. Those right. words are supposed to be vibrated. Right. You are not saying that as you would normally say it. You are neither supposed to try to vibrate it differently, say it differently. There is a reason for that. And and those are learned words. 
Like you can't like if as as an investigator, you can't go into these texts and basically say, "Oh, here's this word." This you know, and uh, there's one word that was given in the Sumerian texts, and basically it was the one word that the serpent beings couldn't say because of the way that their 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 um, glutteral form you know enunciated words. Um, trying to think what the word was but nonetheless if you were to have one of these quote-unquote uh you know serpent lines or these reptilian beings say this word um it was the one way you could tell that they were not a human being that they were that they were of the reptilian line you know and that goes back all the way you know what a couple thousand about four thousand six thousand years ago you know it's funny talking about What's that? It's funny if you want to think, and then I, you know, I don't, I don't know how old the Kabbalah is. People want to, you know, go, you know, yeah. uh, go on with that, but it's definitely, I definitely think it's been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Getting even into, I think, just um, not the Hermetic Kabbalah, which is what I think most of magic is really, you know, based on, or and, and Masonic. Yeah, but if yeah. you go back to more, I guess, traditional Kabbalah, they even say themselves, which is still mystical. Still mystical oh, yeah. stuff. I think they even say themselves, if you were to say like every, there's like this one th- word or something that if you were able to pronunciate it, like you'd fucking your head explode and you'd die. Like oh, yeah. it is like this unspeakable yeah. word that like nobody's able to pull off. So on uh, uh, Thoth or uh, Tahuti, Hermes, Mercury, um, when he manifests himself into being um, and rides around in his Merkaba, um, which is his manifest like thought form ship that he cruises around in the universe. Um, on one of those planes on that Merkaba is the secret word that is, if, if it's uttered, it would, it will destroy all of reality, you know? So it's, yeah. Yeah. It's, they even show uh, that in dogma at the end of dogma. When Alice, uh, Alanis Morissette comes out, she I says, don't know. I don't know. Oh yeah. And the movie, you ever see the movie? You never saw the movie dogma. I don't think so. No. Yeah, no. at the end, at the end, uh, God shows up as as a female, Alanis Morissette, and uh, mm. she goes to go say something, and everybody's like, "Oh, you better cover your ears." And whoever yeah. whoever didn't, their heads fucking popped off. Like whatever Pop came off. out of her mouth was like yeah. so much that uh, if you were like a human, you wouldn't be able to take it. With you couldn't survive. Like uh, like they said, you know, you can't uh, you can't see the face of God and live. It's that whole idea, you know. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's see. So back to the the storyline. Um, Sorry. Let's see. Uh, now I don't know if you know who Tracy Twyman is. Yes. 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 Yeah. So I I read a lot of her stuff, and I was actually in conversations with her on quite a bit of stuff. Oh wow! Um, Good for you. Good for yeah. You. Yeah. We we had a couple strange conversations over the years, um, but so she says that at the summit of what is called the the anti-Lebanon mountain range is currently stationed the UN base called Hermon Hotel. And this is the place which in the book of Enoch refers referred to as artists where these 200 Gregoria watchers descended for the first meeting, which became the first oath-taking secret society on the planet. So when these fallen beings came down, they basically took oaths amongst them amongst themselves, you know, oaths and curses, basically uh, committing themselves to corrupting what humankind was. 
So, you know, that's when you have the idea of, of them coming down and taking the wives of men and basically coming into them and the offspring were the Nephilim. I was going to say the, the Nephilim, giants. yeah, or uh, even like yeah. uh, what, maybe the Archons too, you could kind of say uh, a little bit like Yeah, that. I think the Archons are more um, – now, with that, I think that there's a possibility that these Archon spirits – were incarnated into these Gregory, these Watchers, these Nephilim. Um, but I think the Archon spirits themselves are energetic forces from before time that essentially um, were like the building blocks of what reality is. Mm. You know, so they're the ones that were behind. Um, manifesting the creation of, of matter. And, and, and I think they're lower astral forms. And I think that what happened was these higher astral forms being the fallen ones um, essentially fell down into matter and bred with the humans. And from the bodies that were produced, um, the, the energy waveform, the vibration that those half um, divine, half human um, you know, beings um, allowed the forces of the archons to enter into them. That's deep. You know? <laughs> so, well, I've and, often and thought think, it was if they're like something like, I guess kind of like what you're saying. I, I've often wondered, are they like something that maybe is pulled in through from somewhere? Like, is it like something being used as well? Like some sort of well, energy, like from other people kind of using it to create hmm. this reality? And well, it says that they use the um, the light of Venus as the aperture. By they descended through Saturn and used the light of Venus as the force by which they could incarnate themselves into. And and not only did they come into um, the bodies of these Gregory or these Watchers, but they also like went into the bodies of ass and kine and camels and all these different animals. Like I think for a while um, they were essentially trying to perfect being able to enter into this realm and they used these animal bodies first and then Whoa. they used the you know the the offspring of the the higher forms with the earth realm as as a because when you get later to the tower of babel when when nimrod the less or the greater who is the younger nimrod um or no the it's the older nimrod is building the tower of babel right um they specifically talk about um, the reason they want to enter back into Kether or back into the he heavenly realm um, was not only to rebuild the, the realm of heaven in their own likeness, right? But they also wanted to eat from the tree of life so that, they, so that their earthly form bodies wouldn't die in this realm because they knew when they died that their, their, uh, those archonic um, forms would be trapped in matrix in this realm. They couldn't descend back to oh, where they were. Shit. So they got caught in this realm, which is where I think we get the, the gin or the, the, the gin, um, which is where we get like these, the, the idea of the demon from the Devata, um, which is where we get the devil, which is the adversary essentially. Um, so, you know, they, they were basically working to, tr and, you know, it was the idea of, 
um, they saw that we had been created and we were a higher form because we could transubstantiate through the different realms of being, whereas they couldn't. They could. Ne- they were like stationary, fixed energies within the creation of the universe, and they didn't have what we. That's why the early stories of Lucifer fall. You know, falling into he. He. You know, when you get into the Indian texts, um, they talk about uh, how he came and and met with with uh, one of the guys in the uh, Bhagavad Gita, right? Um, and essentially, he's like, "I will not bow to you." He's like, I'm older than you. I have more qualifiers, more, you know, I, I have all this stuff that's over and beyond you. Um, it, but he didn't want to recognize that we as humans were created as higher forms that could transubstantiate the realms, which, you know, so basically that energy form refused to bow to us, which is why they wanted to. Um, adulterate us or change us um, basically so we couldn't transubstantiate they basically want to keep us down in the hole that they're in you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah yeah i have um uh i have a, a few questions actually if you don't mind yeah um, go ahead because i have uh you know people in the chat um first of all the gins now there's different ways of saying that that word can you just explain what that means to you um, the Dijin, um, they were basically these forms that fell down um, sometime back into ancient Lemuria and Mu, um, sometime by them to Lilith in regard to the uh, mating with Samael and the, the birth of all the miscellaneous um uh, abominations that Lilith was birthing in the Red Sea. Um, but nonetheless, these entities came into the desert um, and they kind of uh, lived, they were kind of underworld beings that, that lived in the desert lands. Um, and, you know, they get tied in with the genie in the bottle and, you know, you kind of see the whole idea of, well, with the three wishes, you know, um, they're kind of devious beings um, and being Divas, you know, like the the modern personification of the the kind of uh, pop star that that can't be satisfied, you know. Um, you, so you kind of have this this uh, kind of uh, you know a devious kind of uh, uh, being that that um, can be summoned up and used for uh, ritual purposes to. Uh, divine the will of the summit like Solomon basically um, I believe was working with some of these Dijin and and basically used them capturing their souls in apothecary jars um, where he would essentially then direct their energies to you know build the temple of Solomon and uh, which eventually became his downfall when he did his deal with Asmodeus the lord of the oil you know when you uh, you mentioned Samuel, right? Yeah. Now you said somebody what mated with uh, is F, what was that that you mentioned again? Lilith. I, okay. Now, so after Lilith flew away, because basically there was an argument between Adam and Eve, and Adam wanted to be on top. You know, it has uh, all the symbology of the matriarchy and the patriarchy coming out of the ancient, uh, you know, patriarchy serpent goddess cults that were pre-Diluvian, um, even pre, um, pre-Adamic, you know. Um, 
that essentially the matriarchy is almost taking over. So Adam in in the biblical or the the Hebrew um, texts, he wanted to be on top um, when they were you know having coitus, and uh, Lilith wanted to be on top, and so they got into an argument, and she basically um, said some magical divine words and levitated and flew out of the garden of Eden. And this postulates a lot of people to believe she had wings, right? But she flew to the red sea and basically, um, oh, this made is getting it. Even better. cause I, I have yeah. a, I have something I want to say after this and you're just making mm-hmm. it even better now. Go ahead. Yeah, she, <laughs> she essentially mated with, uh, the spirit of Samael and they produced the offspring of the, uh, the, the miscellaneous abominations or demons that populated this realm, which some associate with the Devata or the Jinn. See, now, before when I was talking about how I thought Gaborah, the red sphere on the Tree of Life, I think that totally shows you of, of the blood in the flesh here on mm-hmm. Earth. The uh, Mars would go along with that sphere and the... Uh, well, depending on how you want to look at it, I think uh, I know in ceremonial magic sometimes they call it a spirit, and then there is an intelligence. One of them is a demon. One of them can be looked at as a as a uh, angel. Samuel lower forms. Yes, Samuel falls on that sphere. Mm. He falls on Gaborah on that fifth sphere, and then you mm-hmm. mentioned the Red Sea. It's the Red Sphere. Yep. Maybe that's uh, him and Lilith is when we got birthed into the flesh. You know, maybe yeah. that's like symbology well, going on over there. Enosh, um, in in biblical terms, was the first fallen man, and he is associated with Pan. So, you know, the horns and the idea of the satyr ruled over by Saturn. Um, as far as the fifth sphere, um, Samael is the lord of the air, so he's the lord of the fifth sphere, which is the earthly realm. Um, and he is the one that falls down with 12 wings that he falls down upon himself, representing the 12, you know, months of the Zodiac. Um, which that could go back to Chokma, which that resembles yeah. the Zodiac. So that's even showing you like maybe the progression to tie between. Well, and that's the other thing. When you start to really study all this stuff, you start to see these number relationships um, like between Fibonacci numbers and prime numbers and how, certain planetary numbers dance with other planetary numbers and how they tie in to create. And that's, I think why, um, like, uh, like Mercury, the light of Mercury being the morning and the evening star, depending on how it falls morning or night, how it's associated with the earthly realm in coordination with the Saturnian realm, which is ruled over by the Plutonian realm because Pluto is the Lord of the underworld, which is where Saturn is currently encapsulated in the black cube in the center of the earth. And then Pluto is the black sun around the black cube, which is circling the square, which is the inverse of squaring the circle. (laughs) (laughs) You know, yeah, man. So that's, uh, but you, you start to get into all these miscellaneous cycles and how they tie in with one another, you know, and, and, Oh, uh, and then you, I, you sorry, have I think I had realizations a... as you go through. 
I'm sorry. What's that? I think I had another question. Sorry, I didn't. No. Want oh, what what's your take on the light when you are leaving this world? Do you think it's the Archons that tries to lure you back mm. into the Matrix again? Like you right, think you think right. like let's say we're um, able to cross the abyss. Is it the Archons that is I guess pulling us back? Yeah, that's I mean that's an interesting question, you know, cuz like, you know, they say you you go through the light and that could potentially be the the rebirthing out of the womb, you know, back into this realm. Um in when you get into uh um you know who Don uh Carlos Castaneda is? I've heard of the name. Are you familiar with that name? Yes. Yeah, so he wrote the whole Don Juan books. Um, and, you know, he's coming out of the Esalen Institute, which is tied in with uh, MKUltra and the CIA and all that stuff, which is where Jose Arguela and the whole 2012 thing and Terrence McKenna, when he got co-opted, he became the mouthpiece of the mushroom, you know. Um, but basically, um, Carlos Castaneda in his communications with Don Juan, who's a Yaqui Indian in South America, they talk about basically you have to construct a duplicate of yourself, you know? So you have to, as you're dying, you remember every moment in your entire life, right? And you construct that as almost like a thought form or a topa. And then mm. when you die, you take that thought form that you created and you feed it to the eagle. And that basically is your soul being brought back into this realm, being brought, brought back into reincarnation, right? And uh, once you do that, you know, the ego's satisfied, and you've thereby, like, risen above, almost like Zervon, you know, where you, above, you rise above the Saturnian time forces, and you escape, you know, what it is to be in the cycle of incarnation, so at that point, you become almost like Enoch, where you can like roam the universe, you know, and, and go through all the various manifestations. Um, I even think that's why they have the snake with the eagle sometimes holding it. I mean, I think that's all like kind of telling another story about what you're saying with the eagle. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. that's just Maybe. adding to that symbol and saying yeah. something else to it. And that gets into the whole, uh, you know, right after Adam and Eve are... are you know, cast down, um, the Elohim say to the serpent that they're going to separate, uh, the serpent from the, the bloodline of man. And basically over time, you know, you have the bru the bruising of the heat or the, the biting of the heel and the bruising of the head of the serpent, which ties into, and you know, you, it ties into the serpent and the, and the eagle. Um, which essentially when you look on coins around the world, you have like, you know, the Mexican um, essential, essentially flag or the coins is the serpent. And you just see it through cultures all around the world. But it ties into um, Arguela and Serpines, the two zodiac symbols. And oh. that has to do um, essentially when Tammuz, who is young Nin, N-I-N, which is where Tarrant, uh, uh, what's his name there? Trent um, Reznor. Trent Reznor gets the Nine Inch Nails, right? And so that's young Nin, who is young Nimrod, who became, you know, Nimrod the Great, the Skinwalker, you know? So it all ties into this, this mythos of this character um, that was Nimrod the Elder was Cush, 
And then who was Kim, who, which is where we get chemistry and alchemical, you know, mm. works. And, you know, that ties. And then his offspring was Nimrod the Younger, who was Nimrod the Greater, who basically ruled over the divided 70 nations, you know, um, and became, you know, um, the ruler of seven seas and six lands, you know, which is, again, 13 and back to the number of death and rebirth. You know, it's it's pretty wild, man. Seven, and I even think the number seven sometimes goes back to like kind of the abyss in a sense. You know, or oh yeah, or the maiden, the, the maiden, hundred percent the abyss, man. And you it's said seven the, seas. So. Yeah, it's the goddess of the underworld, and the seas are the underworld. The six is the land. Six is associated with the land kingdom. Seven's associated with the 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 underworld. So he's ruling the underworld and the overworld. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, and, this is that's even, this is even things that I've tried to say that are on the tree, like on the bottom. I think if you look at uh, Netzach, which I'll just say is is Hathor, and then on the left would be Toth. Um, she would be like of like kind of like what I was saying, like of the abyss, um, feminine mm -hmm. water, and then on on the other side you would have that would be like a princess. The princess is the maiden. And then mm -hmm. on the other side, you would have the prince, which would be like Toth of the mind of air. Right. Right. And then at the top, when you've escalated, you've become the king of the queen now. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I found it really interesting uh, when you and Lux were talking about the tree of life being a three-dimensional or even a four-dimensional um, you know, structure. Um, because when you get into the tree of, of um, life and the tree of knowledge, right? Um, in sacred geometry, when you draw them out, um, the tree of life grows out of the tree of knowledge, right? So the tree of knowledge um, on one level is below the tree, or the tree of, of knowledge is below the tree of life. And the tree of life actually sprouts out of the tree of knowledge. And when you look at the Druids, they used to go and they would harvest the mistletoe from the apple tree or the oak tree, right? And in the wintertime, the, the apple tree or the oak tree was seen as the human skull, essentially the shape of the dome, right? And when the mistletoe would grow in the wintertime um, while the mind was sleeping, it was symbolized as the enlightenment of the mind. And they would go up and harvest the mistletoe, being the cure-all, um, with the golden Sith, which uh, was the only thing you were allowed to cut it off with. And and so basically they would they would they would ascend beyond the tree of, of knowledge and they would attain the tree of life. You know, and so you know that that red and green symbolism is used a lot too. Should I say that the red and the green? Yeah, yeah. You know, well, and look at the the holly, which is the you know the wand, and it's it's got the green, you know, leaves with the red berries. You know, which it, which if you're going to use that, it's supposed to be cut like one swoop on a Wednesday on, on a the hour day, of Mercury, a certain time, yeah, you're a right. certain moon. <laughs> You know, burning certain herbs with certain <laughs> gems in your pockets. Yeah, and, you're totally right. It goes yeah. that deep. It goes that you fucking know? deep. Yeah, and and it's but when you when you start getting into all those correspondences, you know, as far as Crowley seven seven seven, it's all to do with the earthly realm and the underworld. 
That's so you're essentially using earthly items to bring these things into manifest form. You know, it's it's pretty wild, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? We're at an hour and a half. Before you yeah. start going any uh, deeper into this, uh, we, I took you off course so many times too. So sorry. No, um, no. Maybe we'll leave it here, and we'll we'll I'll just have you back on sooner than later to do the part two or a part three if need be. Okay, this is definitely great. Unless there's anything you know you want to hammer yeah. hammer down now, that'll take five ten minutes. If anything so, you want to cover, uh, no, no, we can pick up later, man. Um, so basically, man, I got of the hundred notes I got laid out here. We got to number thirteen. Oh, I didn't. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh man! All right. Yeah. Yeah. You know. So. We'll we'll see how how this goes then. <laughs> yeah, so we'll leave yeah. we'll leave it there and. Uh, well, I think what we should do is maybe uh, I can I can basically have I can condense down an Egyptian part, sure. Um, condense down a Babylonian Sumerian part, condense down a Greek part, and uh, you know, and then I don't know. So yeah, however long you want to make it, man, I'm I'm down for whatever. This is like this is the stuff that I just like love getting into and research and so yeah I, let's get into one last thing before yeah, yeah. cover up. the egyptian and, and then cover the egyptian. yeah i'll talk about how all this basically came about and as far as talking about you know the ho- the idea of the holographic information right mm. how it becomes living information right when you study it um so when when well right before uh, all the lockdowns hit right i start i was like you know i've been reading for like 27 years i was like i need to start taking notes on some of this stuff right <laughs> so <laughs> so i started uh, just taking pictures of books um digital shots you know if i was if i was reading it digitally or actual physical books and then i would go in and i would highlight the parts you know um on what a, you know like the the notes app and then basically i would file it away in accordance to the year it happened and the subject matter right mm. so over the course of like the last three years i built this database of about 60 plus thousand notes Right. And so I can go in that database and I can type a year and it'll tell, it'll show you all the things that are within that year. Right. Or I can type a name like, uh, like, uh, Moloch or, you know, and, and, or even like, uh, um, syllables within those words. And yeah. And you start to get these, these interrelationships that you wouldn't see otherwise. That's you awesome. Know? Yeah, because yeah. I, like I was saying before, I think like like syllables. I think yeah. when some words kind of sh- different but share same parts. Syllables. Well, and when you I get think into there's something the, behind the that origin of words, you know, um, like the, there's the pre and the post, and then the center, and when you put them together, you know that constructs the meaning. Of, and if you know the etymology, you know the etymology of words, um, you can start to see, you know. And my daughter says I'm crazy, um, but my wife, it's like you know when I when I finish the book, I think she's on chapter 15 now right and i was like so what do you think and she's like it's just the same old shit you've been talking about for the last 30 years <laughs> it's like <laughs> you know so yeah she's hard to impress me, but, <laughs> <laughs> that's, fun. 
I have I have a quick question. She's, she's so good. I have a quick question. Yeah. Someone said, uh, now I, this, uh, I, I'm assuming this person isn't joking. They said something. I thought Nimrod's penis was buried and a tree grew and presents were left on December 25th. Is that true or is that no? Have you mm. ever heard of that? I mean, the, the tall standing tree, as far as the Christmas tree, I mean, that generally gets into Norse, Norse mythology as far as the Christmas tree and the mushrooms. Um, but you can relate the stall, t- the tall standing, um, what was it, redwood um, to Osiris, right? Because when Osiris, and we'll get, we can get into this in the future, um, but when Osiris on the first time when Set put him in the box and sent him down the river um, to Byblos, um, which was um, ancient Phoenicia, um, where a certain king found that the uh, a tamarisk tree had engulfed the box and grown around it in one day, and he cut that tree down and used it as a pillar in his temple um there's there's some relation to osiris being the tall and standing tree but it wasn't until the second death of osiris where he was uh cut into the 14 parts um and essentially the penis itself was eaten by a fish Uh, like you were talking about as far as the the symbology of um pisces the age of Pisces and Jesus symbolically eating the fish and bringing about the age of the Christos. Um, I think I had somebody who just said that shit on recently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I was referencing. Oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. You guys were talking about it just recently. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, there, you know, but generally that, um, that obelisk that is Osiris's penis is generally uh, related to the Patar stone. That's how the worship of the Patar stone started, um, which were um, when you have the hinges and the different uh, tall standing stones that were set up, you know, um, those had to do with the penis of Osiris, um, which also relate to the mushroom growing from the underworld and some of the uh, the uh, priests of, of Osiris or Horus actually were associated with growing psilocybin mushrooms in underground caves, you know. Hmm. So it's uh, as far as coming up from the un- – and when Isis basically made that obelisk, and we'll get into all this in the future, you know, when we go through Osiris, um, but uh, Isis basically summons up – the force of uh, Horus, you know, the risen Osiris, the husband's mother, um, basically through the obelisk and impregnates herself from the seed of the earth, basically drawing up these energies from the underworld, much like Zeus brought forth um, Vulcan and traded uh, Venus to her for the thunderbolt. You know, and if I think if I remember correctly, um, Maybe you've heard of it, too. When Isis supposedly did her little magic ritual thing to bring back uh, mm. Osiris, Toth, I think, actually wrote the spell up. for her. <laughs> yeah. And what's funny is uh, Osiris is related to Nimrod, the the elder, which is Cush, right? And Horus is related to Nimrod, the younger, um, which is the Nimrod that rules over, you know, um, seven seas and, and six lands. Um, 
but yeah, um, and when Thoth, who is also Kush, I mean, so we're looking at different metaphysical forms of Kush, different personalities, and, different archetypes of, different what, archety- yeah. but he's working with his own energy as far as being Thoth. Um, and he mixed up an emetic elixir, a sort of a tea to revive himself after he had been, you know, um, taken asunder. So yeah, it's, it's, and at one point, even Isis is said to be, um, set through, uh, alchemical trans, uh, mutation. So, mm. you know, and she actually was the one that precipitated the rising of the God to bring forth Horus. Interesting. And when you That's look deep. at Horus, the risen Horus, relating to the birth of the sun, which Isis talks about, versus the age of Horus, which Crowley talks about, right? The the Horus that Crowley talks about actually has a moon on his head, whereas the Horus that Isis talks about has a sun on his head. So, mm. again, we're talking about different alchemical manifestations, you know, and yeah. where they lay within the forms of energy as they move. You you know that's so. I I there's just like you were saying with Nimrod, how there is like a younger version and an older version. Same thing with Crowley in the OTO, how there is an older yeah. version and a yeah. younger version of Horus, and they both have like different kind of like attributes. And yep. even in the OTO, at some point when you start getting your Boy Scout patches to put on your mm-hmm. robes as you go through initiations. <laughs> They give you a, uh, the first one you'll get will be a, like, downward-pointing red triangle, Smart. which yeah. is supposed to, yeah. yeah, it's supposed to resemble um, Horus coming into, yeah. or the, the sight of Horus coming down into reality, well, and, like, oh. and that downward-facing triangle is the symbol of the divine feminine, which is the vagina that essentially gives birth. Yes. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yep, yep. Yeah. yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, <laughs> all right. Fun, huh? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> I, I think we'll be all right with that. Um, yeah, I'm going to, uh, yeah. I. you know, I'm. this is live. I'm going to leave it up. I always leave my lives up for a little bit, and I'm going to pull it back down. I'm going to see if... Um, yeah. If there's a way that maybe I could actually do this whole topic with you and then eventually just drop all three like in a row once I put them all out together. So what I'm getting at is I I want to have you on sooner than later to uh, cover the rest of this. So yeah, I had a great time. I thought this was fun. Uh, The people watching um, seem to have enjoyed it. I got questions, you know, so uh, I, I, I had a great time. Thank you very much for coming on. And sure, let, let, I mean, this was also, I, I, in case people forgot, you didn't mention, like, this is also a book that you wrote. So, like, I know you mentioned it yeah. before. So, I mean, this is way deeper than what we're talking about, man. Yeah. So yeah. It, now, is it out? Like, have you released it or? No, it's at the editor right now. Oh, okay. All oh, right. So, yeah. so we're getting the yeah. sneak peek. Wow. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, and man, honestly, it's, it's, uh. It's just information that I think in regard to how you speak on the idea that um, magic is all around us and these symbols are used in regard to um, control mechanisms essentially for for as nudging, you know, ancient nudging uh, mechanisms. Um, it's it when you get into understanding how these symbols develop and how these symbols work, um, you start to see them in use within popular culture, like everywhere. 
Yeah. And to the point that that it's almost disappointing disappointing that they can't be a little more creative than they are. <laughs> you know? It's yeah. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh um, do you have anything that you want? I'm so I mean you don't have your own show, so do you want you don't need me to plug anything? Do you want to leave any um, to get in touch with you? Anybody wants to get in touch with you? Do you yeah, want to leave anything? I'm like on that? Instagram um at Robbie Marks. Let's see. I'll I'll put your link inside the show notes for people too. Yeah, okay. And then um, I'm also on Etsy if they want to check out my art. Um, okay, you, if you give me the link, I'll put that too. in. Um, and if you go to my Instagram link, there's a live link up top to hit my Etsy so you can see some of the miscellaneous pieces I've done um, and how I work with color and symbol and, you know, um, which is basically what I've been doing for, uh, you know, pretty much since I popped out, man. I've been nice. doing art. So, and... Uh, yeah. Um, oh, and my website, um, if anybody wants to look at it, is marksmarks.com, M-A-R-X-M-A-R-X.com. And, uh, yeah, I'm out. I'm around. Um, I talk a lot of trash on Twitter. Um, <laughs> you know, Do you follow so, us on Twitter? Yeah, I follow you on Twitter. Oh, yeah. man. I got I to gotta, I gotta go check your shit out. So, <laughs> um, I think that's Marks Robbie on Twitter. Right. Um, yeah, well, after we're done with this, all the links that you're seeing right now, send them to me, and I'll put them right into the show notes right away. Yeah, so. okay. Yeah, it's Marks Robbie on Twitter and Robbie Marks on Instagram. So awesome, cool. Yes, thank and you yeah, very let me, much. Let me know when you want to go again? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I will uh, look at my stuff when I get off of here, and we'll try to figure out another date, and definitely have you come back on, and we'll uh, we'll go live so uh, the listeners can yeah. join in as well. Uh, again. Fun. Yeah, I, I had a blast. Again, thank you for everybody jumping in and listening. Um, thank for you sure. for coming on. Thank you for coming on and taking the time to present all this stuff before you yep. even put the book out. I think that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah, and, um, it's fun stuff, man. Yeah, and uh, that is the end of another uh, NY Patriot episode. Uh, nice. Hope you all enjoyed it. I loved it. Um, this will be going, you know, this was live on YouTube and Twitter. Um the rest of the series, I'm assuming, will be also in case there was people who watched my lives on Facebook. Mm. Because I guess Facebook didn't like my opinion on that Azov Battalion, I cannot stream for 30 days now on there. So yeah, I have been banned from streaming on Facebook. I found out oh, when goodness, I man. I found out when I tried to go live. Now I, at the beginning, yeah. I might have looked like I was a little confused as I was talking because yeah. I was reading like I'm banned on Facebook for going Facebook. live because <laughs> of my Azov Battalion episode. Well, like, wow. Man, and, and you know what? Whatever happened to the old idea that idea against idea, steel sharpens steel. The better idea will rise to the top. You know, I mean, that's that's how logic works. That's how, you know, that's how people should be participating with information. <laughs> if, if, if I'm wrong about something, please tell me because I would like to know, you know, and, and it's it's, you know, I just, yeah, find Insane. it appalling what they're doing right now. Man. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so in case there was anybody who normally listens, which I don't know from Facebook, our lives, uh, mm -hmm. I will not be able to do that for the next month. Um right. So, yes, what's his Etsy? Uh, Bedgoy, and as soon as I sign off here, I will have him send me all his links, and I will add it straight to this video uh, as soon as I'm done. So, all right, that is the end of another NY Patreon episode. I hope everybody enjoyed it. I had a great time, and until the next one, everybody be well. Later. Later.